Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you and glorify your name because you are worthy, you are holy, you are mighty, and you are powerful. I throw down every lie of Satan. In Jesus' name, I take authority over his power, over the lying spirits that have told these women that they are defeated forever. In Jesus' name, they are not. In Christ, they are victorious by the cross and by the nails in his hands and in his feet and the the hole in his side. We praise you, Lord God, that by the blood of Jesus, we are redeemed and free and, and empowered to overcome more than we can ask or imagine in Christ Jesus. I thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you that that you are going to do a great work, and I claim it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's start by defining anxiety according to the Bible. Okay? Let's look at 1 Peter 5.7. This is your time. I, I really hope that people take notes. Um, we're going to pray that the, pray that it, the recording works so we can put it up online. But take notes because I'm going to give you so many tools. And what I'm going to do is dismantle lies of the enemy that you believe about your state on this earth. Okay. And so the enemy has been lying to you. That's just what he does. He lies. And guess what? He lies in a way that you will believe him. He knows what you'll believe. I'm sure I believe lies. But you know what? Like, don't let that scare you. <laughs> everybody, Eve was perfect. Eve was the perfect woman. You can be the perfect woman and believe a lie. All right? You can be, it, it's, that's possible. So, I mean, she was so close to the Lord. None of us have been as close to the Lord as Eve because she walked with him. She talked with him. I mean, but she still believed a lie. It's not a shameful thing. As in, oh, you're just this bad Christian. You can't overcome your anxiety and depression. You're a bad Christian. You don't have enough faith. This is what we're going to liken it to. So I have been a, I was a youth leader for, I don't know if it was 14 years. And I would have kids come into my house a lot. There were kids from um, good homes, Christian homes from the church. But there were kids that would come who were not from the most nurturing environments, to put it lightly. And I remember one time when there was a, a, a teenager sitting with us. They had, um, a girl had eaten, uh, spent the night and it was eating breakfast. And I noticed she didn't know how to cut up her pancake. And I had to teach her how to use a knife and a fork. I mean, she knew how to like use her fork, but she didn't know how to use her fork and knife together. And, and it apparently hadn't either been modeled to her or shown to her. Well, I don't know, because I, you know, we always are actually showing our son how to use his knife and fork, but he doesn't always use it that way. But um, just to say that you can, I mean, you can be a believer and not know how to use the tools that God has given you through the Holy Spirit. So that is what this is. This is going to be tool time, all right? Tool time. You're going to get the weapons and the tools to know how to overcome, what the Lord has given you. First Peter 5, 7. <clears throat> Wait, not 5, 7. 5, 5. 
You younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, and all you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now there can be a bit of pride that the enemy tries to deceive you with when it comes to anxiety or depression or whatever state you may personally be in. Because we all want to be right with the Lord. We all want to, we're all just trying our hardest, right? We're just doing our best and we're trying our hardest. And it's kind of like if somebody tries to correct you on something and you've just done your very best to try to do it right and somebody comes and tells you it wasn't good enough. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what that feels like? That feels bad. Okay, so what I'm going to do is not tell you you're not good enough. That's not it. I'm just going to show you some ways to do this that maybe you hadn't seen before. So we need to set that pride aside and say like, okay, don't take it personally. Lord, teach me what I need to know today. So when you need to ask the Lord to teach you, because you may need to know something that I'm not going to talk about today, right? So, but the Lord will tell you what you need to know in addition to what he tells you through me. So he, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. That means it's a continual process of humbling. And as we continue to humble ourselves at the right time, God is going to exalt you. Okay? Casting. He may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isn't that interesting that God pairs through, through the apostle Peter this humbling of ourselves under God's mighty hand to say, God, I don't have the answers. I don't know everything. I've tried my hardest. I've looked at all of the op options. I've coped. I've done all of these physical things that I can do, but I'm still lacking. Does that make sense? Admitting it's okay that I'm lacking. It's not bad to be in lack. Because when you lack, then you lean. Lean on the Lord. We want to lean. So he says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now here is a root. I'm going to stop here of anxiety and say, that if you had a father who did not love you the way that he needed to, maybe he did his best. Maybe he tried his hardest, but that was all he could do. Does that make sense? Because, I mean, there are fathers that just don't try, and they're just abusive, and it's, and, and it's horrific, and they're self-centered. But then there's just your dad that just doesn't know necessarily maybe he wasn't loved or it wasn't modeled to him and so there was a lack and you do not know what it feels like so your heart never learned what it feels like to be secure so in that for those formative years from zero to six when 
you were supposed and, and beyond, but they say that the zero to six, are, those are the real formative years when you should have been feeling safe. Maybe you weren't feeling safe. Or maybe your father kept you physically safe, but you weren't emotionally secure. And maybe you, you had a father that wouldn't say, I love you because he didn't think that was manly. And so you never learned or felt secure. And so there is, there's just this insecurity in your life because of that lack. Does this make sense? Okay. So when we come to our Heavenly Father and you read this, this may feel like a platitude. This may feel ingenuine or hard to understand. It may feel like academic. I know God cares for me, but it's not impacting or changing you because of the lack of modeling your earthly father did not model a God who loves us. And parents model God's love for their children. And when there is no modeling, especially in those formative years of zero to six years old and beyond again, but especially those formative years, there can be damage that's done by that withholding of love. So then you cannot understand God's love. So what is the answer? The first answer is, Lord, give me revelation by your Holy Spirit that only your Holy Spirit can give me in the area of your love. You need to write that down because you need to pray it all the time. Reveal your love to me. Reveal your love to me in Jesus' name. Now, this prayer is taken from Ephesians 1, 17, and I teach all about this in this Bible study. It's thorough, 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 thorough. It's not a one-time teaching. It's through the whole book. It's teaching how to pray to seek the Lord's spiritual knowledge in this area. Again, even if your father was a good father or your mother was a good generally good, but there was a lack of emotional support in the home, you can have a need. So what is the answer? First of all, for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now this, I'm going to tell you, this prayer is on your declaration sheet. Scripture declaration, it's at the very bottom, Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. In fact, let's read this aloud together. And some of you, this is old news because you've been doing this for two years with me if you're in one of my Bible studies. Let's read at the bottom of the page. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. We're going to stop right there and say we're asking the Father to give us the spirit. And now this is being spoken to believers by the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Romans all about, all about you know, salvation and, and grace and faith. But he's praying that the Lord will give the Ephesians the Holy Spirit 
of wisdom and revelation, even though he's already told them earlier in this chapter that they already have the Spirit, okay? We have to understand this. They need, you need to pray, give me your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. And there's, it's just asking God, give me more of you. Give me more revelation. In fact, I want to explain this a little deeper before I go on, just in case anybody's having a check, a question, checking in their spirit, like, is that actually true? In Ephesians 3, it says that we are to pray that out of God's glorious riches, he will strengthen us in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Also praying this to Christians who have been taught in America to pray from when they're little, Jesus come into my heart. Some people might say like, well, I've already asked Jesus into my heart. Here he's saying, Jesus, to live in my heart through faith. And in the Greek, it means that living in my heart means that centralizing, like that Jesus is at the center of everything I do. Does that make sense? So Jesus is centered in everything that I do. So we need to pray for this, even in our dealings with these deep, emotional, painful issues. Jesus be the center. Jesus, give me revelation. Not just like I sealed the deal when I was four, because that's when I did, and now I don't have to do any more asking for Jesus, because I already asked him, because I don't want to be in heresy. It's not heresy. It's biblical to pray for more, okay? So it's biblical. So when we ask for this wisdom and revelation, we also want, Jesus said, anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. God, give me ears to hear from you. Daily, uncover the lies I am believing. Write that down. I, I taught that in my spiritual warfare Sunday school class. A woman went home. This is a tool. I'm not telling you this is like this is a nice thing you may want to pray once. I would pray this every day. I do pray it every day. Uncover the lies I'm believing. So you write that down. So I, I taught this, and one woman went home. She prayed that. She said, she came back and she said, it worked. I can't believe how many lies God uncovered this week. <laughs> she's like, I was like, wow, all these negative things she'd been thinking about herself and agreeing with. Okay, agreeing with the lies about herself she'd been believing because the thinking comes before the feeling. The thinking comes before the feelings come. Before you feel the adrenaline or the pulse or the tears or the depression, you've been agreeing with thoughts about yourself and about God that are not true. Okay? So we need to ask God, I want to cast my cares on you because you care for me. It says it here. Let's get honest. How many of you pray like this? How many of you go like, God, it says it, and I don't feel it. I don't feel it, God. Why don't I feel it? How many of you, you have to pray? And then you say, Lord, reveal to me why I'm not feeling it. Show me why I cannot experience this right now. Now, feelings and faith are... Do not always go together, okay? So I'm not telling you if you don't feel it, it's not true. But if you want to feel God's presence, believe me, he does want you to feel his presence. And you won't feel it all the time. 
that would be amazing. Because when I feel God's presence, I'll, when I feel God's presence, it, it's better than anything I've ever felt. And I do feel, you know what? I feel it more and more. I feel it almost all the time now. The more that I press in and just rest in him and enjoy him and believe that it's true what he says about himself and me, like that he actually does love me and I actually believe it and I'm not just trying to earn his love and I'm just trying to survive. Like I, I believe, yeah, he loves me. He loves you. You know, we can believe this. And so casting our anxiety on him because he cares for you, be of sober spirit, be on alert. And here he tells us that the, our adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So here we're talking about anxiety, right? Our adversary is trying to devour us, and we have to be alert. Our loving Heavenly Father is telling us that this is going to happen, that we are needing to be on alert, But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So your brothers and sisters in Christ are also battling. Many people, millions or billions of people are battling the same thing as you are. You're not alone. And the suffering, believers are suffering. So if you're suffering, does that mean you're not a believer? No. If you're struggling with fear, does that mean you're not a believer? No, it doesn't, okay? It means that there is a battle raging. Here we see that you are equipped to fight and that you have a good father who cares about you. And that after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever so god it says after you've suffered how many of you have suffered will perfect confirm strengthen and establish you to him be dominion forever and ever now let's go back up in this scripture to define anxiety according to this passage of scripture this is so exciting. I'm so excited. Casting all your anxiety on him. In the Greek, this word in the Greek, marimna, anxiety, means a part separated from the whole, which divide, worry which divides and fractures a person into parts. It means... A part separated from the whole, worry and anxiety, which divides and fractures a person into parts. In the Greek, it means to be fractured. Um, in Strong's Concordance, it is number 3308, if you have a concordance at home. Merimna, M-E-R-I-M-N-A. It disunifies personality, robbing a person of God, continuously granting peace. Anxiety is caused when part of us, uh, anxiety is what causes part of us to go one way and the rest of us another. But peace, 
The word for peace in the Greek, which is the opposite of anxiety. Because I heard, I heard some discussion at the tables, and one was like faith and fear are opposites, but peace, faith is, is, is trusting in the Lord. That's something we, we, actually faith is not trusting in the Lord. Faith is what the Lord ignites in us. In, in the Greek, it means to be persuaded as in by an outside force. So we're persuaded by the Holy Spirit and who God is. And then we, our belief and our trust is agreeing with his truth. Okay? So when the Lord starts to ignite faith in you today, like, there is hope. You have to believe it. And then you will begin to experience the peace, which means wholeness. Anxiety means to be fractured. Peace in the Greek means wholeness. To join, tie together into a whole. The first wholeness we experience as believers is whenever God joins us into his family through Jesus Christ, his son. When our sin is forgiven, the things that separate us from God and fractures our life is sin. So whenever, whenever we put our faith or we trust or we trust in Jesus Christ by faith, God brings salvation. He brings wholeness to our lives. That's the beginning. So that covenant relationship, but also, also this wholeness, I think it's so interesting that it's the same. It, so here's the, we can say, Lord, here's my brokenness. Here's my fractured soul. That was broken when my father abandoned me. When my parents got divorced and all the anxiety that accompanied that as a child because my world was, was not whole anymore. Does that make sense? There was no wholeness. Lord, here's my fractured self. And the sin that fractured you, like so if you are a, a child of divorce, let's just use that. There's other things that can fracture and, and there's other sources of anxiety. But if you're a child of divorce or abuse in the home, or alcoholism in the home, or sexual abuse, or something like that, Lord, the first place, because sin broke you, you have to forgive the sin that broke you. Write it down. That's key. A tool. We're going to review all this later. You have to forgive the sin that broke you. You probably don't even know that you, you've, you're living in unforgiveness in that, but this is how it may be rehearsed. Like anytime you see a happy family, being jealous, that's unforgiveness. Playing out. Does that make sense? Anytime you see another wife that appears to be on social media, wonderfully loved by her husband, and their beautiful children at the beach in their matching outfits. <laughs> and you feel jealous. You need to forgive your husband because of the brokenness for either not being just the perfect man 
even if he is the perfect man for you, but just, you know what I mean. You just know what I mean. You need to start with forgiveness because without, if we do not forgive, God cannot forgive us. Without forgiveness, forgiveness, there is no healing. That is the foundation of freedom from anxiety. There are other reasons you may be anxious. So if that is not replying to you, you mm, ask the Lord. <laughs> ask the Lord if that applies to you. Because initially, you may not think so. Because if, you, if this is all you have known your whole life, if this is all you have known, and some people come from dysfunctional families, they don't even know they're dysfunctional. They think that's how normal families are, and they think, even if you think, like, I think this is normal, and it's not normal, you may think, like, everybody's just not, no one's normal. And you may live in this level of dysfunction and think everybody's just hiding their secrets and doing the same thing. But they're not. They're not doing it. So that's a lie from the devil. So then you're just going to think, like, well, everybody's coping like me. They're not. Not every. Well, in our society, a lot of people are. But they're not all living in the same dysfunction. But So you need to ask the Lord. Because when Caleb and I first got married, I had all this fear that was rooted. It was rooted in, like, it was really demonic. It was really demonic, okay? So I had all this fear that was just from the enemy, harassing me, attacking me, and lying to me. And Caleb had a different kind of insecurity, but he didn't think he was afraid, and I didn't think he was afraid. I'd be like, well, you're not afraid of anything. But he was so annoyed by my fear because my fear was like, like, oh, worry, always, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And he didn't care about, like, he wasn't worried about planes crashing or, you know, terrorists or, like, impurities in the water we drink. You know, he didn't care about filtering it and, you know, organic food. He didn't care. Like, he wasn't scared of, you know, suddenly having a stroke when he was 21. Like, I was scared of that. You know, like, that, that kind of thing. Like, he didn't have that fear, but he did have insecurity. And that was rooted in other things, other pain. And so he had to learn, and the Lord had to but it, but it was manifesting in other ways. So you may have an insecurity, and it manifests not as a, a woman that's hiding under her covers with her covers over her head. It may manifest as large, in charge, and in control, because you can't have anything out of control. <laughs> you may need to have everything ordered, and you can't do anything unless it's on your planner and you've planned it, that's, that's insecurity because you have controlled it. That is a different way, like different personalities will handle fear differently. So if your personality, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being in order. That's not what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with order. God is a God of order. So God orders things, but there's a difference between trusting the Lord and trusting your plans. Trusting the Lord and trusting your schedule. And if you lose it with your family and you can't be nice to them if they interrupt your schedule, you're not trusting the Lord with your schedule. And if you're putting people 
ahead or you're putting things and schedules and like the cleanliness of your house as more important to the people in your house, you're not trusting the Lord. That's fear. That's anxiety. That's insecurity. And that's control. And that manifests in a different way. And guess what that does? That creates insecurity in your children because they're afraid of making you angry if, you, if they mess up your order. And that can create insecurity if your kids are afraid to make you angry. So I'm just saying, this, these are different ways. That, that, so it, you may not be the person hiding under your covers crying and unable to function, and you may be the person that makes fun of that kind of person and say, just like, just get over it and get out of bed. Like, just get over it and control your life. Like, just get up. But that you're still, it's, it's not, it may be managing fear and anxiety, but it's not rooting it up and dealing with it. Second Corinthians 10.3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So let's talk about waging war in the spirit versus waging war in the flesh. Because coping, and I'm saying, I'm going to use the word coping or the things we do in the flesh help us manage and cope. The things we do in the spirit actually moves the mountains and transforms us. And we allow the Lord to transform us. Okay? The coping mechanism, again, is that wine press. Now, all that time that Gideon was in his wine press threshing his grain, threshing his grain when he stepped out and in faith, because God said, I'm going to help you overcome. I'm going to make you a warrior. When he stepped out, he did something different with all of that time. Redeem the time. You are spending all of this time controlling or worrying or fretting in your mind. Fret, fret, worry, worry, fret, fret, lie, lie, fret, fret, worry, and our, as believers, we need to take captive our thoughts and bring them under the authority of Jesus. So imagine all that time I spent on Interstate 81, imagining all the tractor trailers that were going to crash into me. I couldn't drive without imagining accidents. Now, when I drive, it's my best time to pray. I am a prayer warrior on the car in the car not on the car <laughs> I'm not on the car in the car but all that time the 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 devil robbed from me when I would sit and just worry about being in accidents you know worrying all the time you sit waiting for your kids to get out of soccer or basketball or whatever and you're just worrying worrying about thinking through your relationship with your spouse, thinking about your health concerns, worry, 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 redeem the time. Are we going to believe that God doesn't actually care? 
Are we going to believe that he does care and give him, cast our cares on him? And if I open up some can of worms today, like talking about like your past with your, the people you have to forgive, maybe those worms are going to be crawling all over you for a few years. Like, just stop it. I don't want to think about it. When you start to feel those jealous thoughts, those harassing thoughts, you say, in the name of Jesus, I know that, God, you love me. I forgive again. Every time you picture that person that hurt you, I forgive them in Jesus' name. I forgive them in Jesus' name. I forgive them in Jesus' name. Right? <laughs> Every time you think, and you're going to have to go back pretty far, ladies, for some of this. You may have to fast and then rebuke the devil when he tells you you can't handle that. You may have to fast to overcome, to get, get down with the Lord and be like, help me, Lord, heal me in Jesus' name. So this kind of thing... <laughs> Just a second. Okay, waging war in the flesh is using, I already said, is using coping mechanisms. Sometimes this means avoiding instead of overcoming. So in extreme pain, fear and anxiety can make something much more painful. So if you are in the middle of something already difficult and you're suffering because you're actually in a bad situation, fear and anxiety will make it crippling and will make the pain magnified, just like in childbirth. So when you're birthing a child, it's intense to quote a book that I read and thought it wouldn't hurt. So I read this book that was like, childbirth doesn't actually hurt. It's really just intense feelings. <laughs> Needless to say, I was not prepared for having my daughter. I was shocked. I was like, I believed her. Okay. So with the first one, I was like, what's happening to me? I was like hyperventilating. I couldn't use any of the breathing techniques I didn't bother to use because I was told that it would just be intense and I just needed to, I just needed to pray by faith and that it wouldn't hurt. And so, okay. So, um, so what I learned, what faith actually is by my second and third was by the time I got to Isaac, as I was having the contraction, I knew for 60 seconds, because I knew I was well, all right, 60 seconds, here we go. Thank you, God, for creating me this way. Thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you that I was created to do this. I'm not dying in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to relax. I, all right, here it comes, here it comes. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you, it's almost over. I know it's almost over. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and the nurse was like, what are you doing? <laughs> She's like, I said, I, I, I'm praying. She said, I've never seen anybody do that before, but it's working. <laughs> and I mean, the, compared to the first one and then the third one, you know, the first one I was like ripping Caleb's brand new sweater <laughs> off. And then, you know, and he's like, like his face was like sheer terror. And then by the third one, he was over on his couch, on the couch, posting pictures of me on Facebook, which I did not know. 
He's never on Facebook. I don't know why. That day he decided to post pictures of me on Facebook, you know. But I would be like this. I would be like, I knew it was coming. I'd be like, Caleb. He would come over, he'd hold my hand, and I would be like, okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, you made my body this way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, there was a time when I was like, you know, in an in intense part of the end, what is it, transition, where I was, you know, like vocalizing a lot and all that. But I'm just saying like <laughs> screaming maybe, but uh, for 10 hot minutes. But, um, but the, the truth is I learned from the first time I learned from the beginning that I lived. <laughs> and I learned what real faith actually looks like. It wasn't like some imaginary thing that if I just imagined I wasn't going to have pain, I wouldn't have pain. It meant God designed me to have a baby, and he's not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this in Jesus' name. God, thank you. You're holding me through this. Thank you. In fact, one of my favorite birth stories, just real quick, because you got to tell these, right? So it was my son, Ellis, because I, I was like walking. I was walking in the hospital. I was like, this baby's going to come fast in Jesus' name. This baby's going to come fast, and it's going to come fast and easy in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And my husband was like, what are you doing? You know, and then every time I'd have a contraction, I'd be like, hold on, hold on. I'm like, okay, Jesus, fast and easy, fast and easy. Okay, all right, keep walking, keep walking. So I'd be walking. Anyways, that kid is so fast. That kid is so fast. Actually, he did come fast. I went from four to delivery in 17 minutes. So, yeah, but, but God, God used it to save his life. But anyway, I didn't know that, that I needed to pray that. But so, so how does we liken this? So we liken this to giving birth in the natural and giving birth in the spiritual are not different at all. We say we want new life, but we don't want the pain of birthing it. We do not want to go through what we have to go through in order to birth the pain, the birth of life, not the pain. We don't want to experience it. But if you need to forgive, you need to go back and give that pain to the Lord. You have to stop burying and you have to start carrying to Jesus. Stop burying the pain and start carrying it to Jesus. And you have to start saying, Jesus, I know that you, I mean, just like I did in childbirth, I know, I know we're going to do this together, Jesus. I'm bringing you to what my dad did to me. I'm bringing you to what, what that person did to me. I'm bringing you that abandonment in Jesus' name. I'm bringing you that insecurity. I know, I know that you died on the cross to take the sin of the world, including that sin that was done against me in Jesus' name. Right? You got to say it. How many of us get on our faces before the Lord? Many of you have this idea that God, oh, God knows my heart. Like this is, this is like God knows my heart. He just knows that I love him. So I don't actually need to get on my knees. I don't need to get on my face. We need to, what does it say? Humble ourselves before the Lord. In that passage, in in 1 Peter, it says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So, yes, I'm an American, but yes, I bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I might not bow before King George or the president, but I bow before my king. I lay on my face, on my carpet, because it's worth it to humble myself before the Lord. If I can't even bow my knee or get on my face before the Lord... Am I going to 
how am I going to let, how am I going to let the Lord work in my life? Now, some of you might not like that, but you, you have to surrender. You have to surrender. And I'm talking about things that bring pain. You have to surrender the fear. Colossians 1.24, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, which is the church. Let me read that again. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. That scripture is not saying that Christ's sufferings were lacking. That's saying my body is lacking. If you read it in order in the Greek, the word order is not the same as it is here. Christ isn't lacking. Our lack is in our flesh and our personal weakness. And this is where we battle. We battle with our own weaknesses. Not so we can be defeated, but so we can learn self-denial and take up our cross. Jesus said, he who follows me must take up his cross and follow me. Maybe your cross is dealing with pain, dealing with pride, dealing with personal sin, dealing with sin, the sins of your forefathers. A worldly way, now this is going to be sticky, and I'm going to have to be very clear lest anybody misunderstand me at all. Okay, so don't get your, go, don't get your hackles up until you hear the end of it. <laughs> a worldly way of dealing with family stress, because a lot of our stress and anxiety comes from family issues. Not all of it, but a lot of it. It just naturally does. And so if you came from a family that where your mother was always worrying and always telling you everything that could go wrong, you maybe learned that that's just how you think. And if that was always like worry, 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 then that's how you were trained up. And that established anxiety into you. So when you go home for the holidays and you're reminded of certain things, certain pain comes up, certain rejection comes up, your anxiety is going to go up. Does this make sense? Because it reminds you of everything you didn't have or everything you didn't like or everything that you, just everything. It just reminds you of everything. So the way we deal with it is sometimes we, a lot of times, almost all the time, we avoid. We avoid those people <laughs> I heard that. We avoid the people because it hurts to be around them. I'm, and I'm not talking about somebody who has abused you. I want to clarify. Okay? There are dangerous situations. There are situations that you should not be in. Okay? Because I'm going to clarify that. If you have been severely abused by a family member, 
Victory is forgiveness, but you don't have to go and expose yourself to that abuse. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. If you've been sexually abused, physically abused, that's not what I'm talking about. Even if you were, if it's a bad situation, we like, like they're not being hit. You're not being. Uh, we can still show. We can still forgive. We can forgive in any situation because Christ forgave us. But that doesn't mean expose yourself to abuse again and again and again. That's what I'm going to say. But I'm also going to add this in because we have to be balanced. (laughs) There's a part of us that doesn't want to deal. Does this make sense? And so there are more situations that believers are avoiding. Probably the people in this category have been manipulated and guilted so much, they're always going, they have trouble not going into a situation they shouldn't go into. Like people that are abused will feel guilted, like, oh, I guess it was really my fault. You know, they'll feel that way. And so then they'll go into a situation they should be not going into. And then there's other people that should be going into this situation and reconciling, and they're not. And there's a huge portion of of Christianity where people have their own fortresses they're setting up. And so you never deal with the anxiety because you're not forgiving. And this isn't easy. I'm not talking about something easy. I'm talking about childbirth. I'm talking about something intense. This avoid, like avoidance doesn't deal with the pain. It doesn't. So instead of just saying like, okay, God, okay, God, um, hmm. There, there's, the, there's two different mind frames here, two different ways you can pray. You can pray, I forgive in Jesus' name. I forgive in Jesus' name. I can forgive in Jesus' name. I forgive. And then there's a way where you start praying blessings on that person that's hurt you. You pray for their deliverance. Where God moves you from a place of avoidance to a place of praying for their deliverance and for their transformation. Does this make sense? So that's where you start to see victory, where you start offending the kingdom of darkness. Because... You can forgive. This is the first place you got to forgive. I forgive in Jesus' name. I forgive. I forgive. Now, forgiveness is not a feeling. I am not talking about, like, I'm on, like forgiveness. Sorry, I dropped this. Forgiveness is not a feeling. So it's not something where you're like, okay, I'm only going to be forgiving if I feel like it. It's I'm forgiving because Jesus forgave me, so I'm going to declare the truth. I forgive this person because Jesus forgave me. Jesus did that when he hung on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Some people do know what they do, but Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Declare it like Jesus. Be like Jesus. And then, Lord, I don't want to pray for their blessing. Please forgive me. Let's just get real when we pray. I don't want to pray for them because they've hurt me, Lord. I want to vent. 
I need to find somebody to tell about this. <laughs> who can I tell without retribution? Like, who can I tell? So I'm going to pray, though, Lord. Lord, I bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, deliver them in Jesus' name. Lord, give them a peace about coming to you in Jesus' name. Notice I say Jesus' name a lot. That's just because that's literally the only authority we have. <laughs> that's, only, that's all the authority we need, but many believers don't pray in Jesus' name. We come before the throne of grace in Jesus' name. Teach me, Lord, to deal with my anxiety in your power and not in my flesh. I want to go back to this abuse thing one more time. Um, Jacob put distance between himself and Laban when Laban started being abusive. Okay, so I'm again saying if you are in a situation where you are being abused, Jacob put distance between himself and his father-in-law. Does that make sense? So I'm not talking to you when I say, <laughs> just to clarify, for the people that are, that are being physically, mentally, just being horrifically abused, those are the people that are going to just, they, I just see it over and over. They keep going back to that same situation. It's okay. You need to put distance there. Also, I have seen this where if you've put distance and you get victory over extremely demonic attacks that can result from abuse, because the enemy gets a stronghold when it comes to abuse, if you get victory over the enemy and then you have exposure to that person, either on the phone or if you see them across the store or even on social media, the, the enemy can try to really start harassing you again because your fear will spike and your mind will start going again, believing those lies. So then you're going to be like, oh, no, it's happening again. I really don't have victory. I don't have victory. The enemy's taking over. When you, what do you have to do? In Jesus' name. But we go back and forgive them again. The first thing we do is forgive, because what does that do? That pulls the rug out from under that. The enemy has no authority when we're walking in forgiveness. You should write that down. The enemy has no authority when we're walking in forgiveness. So I have seen this played out again and again and again, because where was the enemy's point of access to your life? For anxiety and demonic attack on your mind, it was in that painful situation, especially abuse. And so if you were abused and then you're walking in freedom and you have some distance between you and that abuser, but then somehow you have some kind of exposure again, you're going to have to get down on your face and forgive them again in Jesus' name. And then you rebuke Satan and say, in the name of Jesus... I command you to leave. That is an important thing to know because, because that otherwise you're going to feel defeated. And th this is what the devil is going to tell you. It didn't work. It didn't work. There's no hope. 
See, here you go again. You're stuck again. When it really just comes back to you were hurt again or you were reminded of hurt, you were reminded of pain, and that took you down, the, that opened the door back up, the enemy's hitting you, you have, to, you have to close that door. You have to close that door through forgiveness and giving it to Jesus. Teach me, Lord, to deal with my anxiety in your power and not in my flesh. See, what you could do, let's talk about dealing with it in your flesh, is just avoid that person, which is what you should do. But if you don't deal with it spiritually, you're just dealing with it in your flesh. So if you just avoid that person, but you don't deal with it in prayer and spiritually go into the root of why you're having that anxiety again, you're going to get... You're going to feel like, well, I'm avoiding them, but I'm stuck back in this. I don't know why. That's why. There is more. Oh, also, wait, wait. Lord, here's a prayer. Teach me to deal with my anxiety in your power and not in my flesh. Give me spiritual eyes. Give me spiritual revelation, eyes to see and ears to hear. Because we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Teach me, Lord, to deal with my anxiety in your power and not in my flesh. Give me spiritual eyes. Give me spiritual revelation. Eyes to see and ears to hear. Since it's about lunchtime, I'm going to pause. I did not give you a lot. I have a lot more equipping to do, which we'll do in the third session before we talk about standing your ground, because I kind of think I'm doing it mixed in a little more than I meant to. But um, Not going to the world and to the flesh means, this is what a lot of Christians are doing. They're not equipped. Remember the using your knife and your fork to cut a pancake thing. So they're not equipped for like the most simple, basic spiritual um, battle. It, this forgiveness and battling Satan and knowing how to apply it in a really practical way, are, it's Christianity 101, but it's not taught that way anymore because the church has watered down our teaching a lot. We just tell Bible stories and that's pretty much it, a lot. We don't know how our fathers, our spiritual fathers, really did teach this kind of stuff. So what are Christian women doing? I want to close with this, because I believe I have to put it in here, is we're going to the New Age. We're going to idolatry the idolatry of the new age because Christianity isn't doing it for us because we don't have this, the skills. So we're turning to mindfulness and meditation, not meditating on the word of God, which is very good, and meditating on the truth, but meditation in, in an Eastern way is emptying, emptying your mind emptying yourself. The Bible never says to empty ourselves of anything except our own pride and our own selfishness. We're never taught to empty our minds. We are taught to fill them.
to be filled to overflowing. And the an Eastern religion teaches, and it is, de, it is demonic. The scripture calls Eastern, or not Eastern religion, but all idol worship the doctrine of devils. The devil is involved in idolatry. And Eastern religion and Eastern thought are making their way, it's making its way into America, and the church is embracing it as like the new health, the new spirituality. And we're becoming very much, very much like the children of Israel that had their temple worship, they had their temple worship, and then they had their Baal and their Asherah. They had a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, well, I really like how the Midianites are. I love that one thing they do. It's not that bad. You know, I just love it. It's, you know, it's really beautiful. That whole ceremony is just so beautiful. I just love it. Um, so freeing. I don't know. Like that, can you, I don't know what they, how they talked back then. But that is what we are doing now. We are doing now. And just, I also know... Mm. I also know I'm going to open a can of worms here, but I have to say it just because I have to say it. Okay, so also yoga, yoga means union or yoking. Every single yoga pose is a form of worship to a pagan god. They were designed to, to worship deities that we don't worship. And the structure of the poses are designed specifically like the flow of each pose is designed to activate spiritual energy does anybody know that it's to activate spiritual energy and since one of my good friends is a former uh, yogi master kundalini yoga master now born again christian when you say om it means come it means i'm sending my spirit out to speak to other spirits like sending and when you say ong in kundalini worship it's come into me you're calling spirits to come into you that's actually what it means <laughs> so people are but it's relaxing because you know, it's slow movement. There are plenty of slow-moving exercises out there that can do, like, ballet-type worships, Pilates, not worship, ballet-type exercises, Pilates, types of things that do the same kind of, like, slow, long-stretching movement that can be relaxing that are not tied to the spirit realm. And I have had to help people come out of a lot of demonic bondage because of yoga. Recent, very recently, a very severe case with believers who were experiencing some very, very I, I won't even tell you here because we're, we're in an anxiety workshop and I'm not going to do that. I won't tell you the story. I won't tell you the stories. And it's, also, I don't want to break any confidences, but, but it, it, people are allowing the enemy because you're going and creating your own fortresses. I need to help my, this helps calm me down. I need we have to uproot the problem. We have to uproot it. And it's not just pull, it's not just talking about, and I'm, I just want to clarify, I'm not just talking about the devil. The devil is part of the problem. 
The lies he tells that we believe is another part of the problem. The lies that people tell us is another part of the problem. The lies the world tells us is another part of the problem. There are all kinds of what we allow happening in our minds. That's another part of it. Does this make sense? There are, there, it's, but we submit ourselves to Christ, and we trust ourselves with Christ, and we know that he loves us. He's a good God. Our Father is a good Father. And he wants to do a great work and uproot some things in your life today and give you victory. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and we'll have lunch, and there's more to come. And we're actually, I'm not just going to tell you stuff today. We're going to minister to you through prayer. And um, through prayer, we have a worship and prayer and healing service. But I need to teach you some more before we do that. So I'm going to flip-flop the schedule around. Um, but we're going to have lunch and so at 12.30, we are going to start back to our next activity, maybe 12.35, give you a little extra time, um, and we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these women, and I thank you for what you're doing in their lives and what you're teaching them. Each person here today has a need, Lord, and I pray that you will fill their needs, fill, fill their cup, Heal where there's healing needed. Um, Lord, where there's a fractured soul, souls that are fractured, I pray for the peace of God, the wholeness of God, the forgiveness of God, the healing power of God to mend the brokenhearted, to mend those, Lord, who are sensitive and, and things in this world are upsetting them, Lord. They look around and they see fearful things. And Lord, I pray you bring comfort in Jesus' name. I pray you bring peace in Jesus' name. And I thank you for this food and for all the lovely women who prepared it. And I pray you bless them generously, Lord, according to your mighty power. In Jesus' name, amen.